It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome into the pre-draft edition. It's the final Locked On Bengals podcast before round one of the NFL Draft. I'm James Erpine. A lot to get to on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals right now. LockedOnBengals.com. Mock Draft 5.0. And it's the Dreams Do Come True edition. Please check it out. There's a good quote in there from Dave Lapham. The scenario that I have playing out, I ran by him. There's a link to that as well. And, man, oh, man. It's almost here. As uh, we record this, it's 5.30 Eastern time on Wednesday. And a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. And to do that, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. He's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He's cranking out all sorts of stuff. Superheroes, draft prospects, Big board, a ton of stuff for the athletic. Joe, how tired are you right now as we are at 26 hours away, 26 hours and change away from the draft? You know what it's like? It's like 3 a.m. and you're still partying, so you're having a good time. You're still fired up, but you, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm ready for the final song and the final dance so that we can end this and find out who the Bengals are taking. Man, if you don't get out of here, when's the last time you were up till 3 a.m. partying? Hmm. <laughs> My wedding? Wedding yeah, night? I was going to say, man, get out. <laughs> I would have laughed if you said, like, last weekend, you know. Then I would have oh. been like, whoa. So. I can barely find a babysitter to go to the movies. <laughs> Did you do that? Big movie coming out. Did you do that for I, I do Infinity War? Sunday, so I... I have to block all of my, uh, I finally used all the muted words on Twitter function and muted everything I could possibly do that had to do with Avengers, Marvel, Infinity War, all that, and because uh, we're seeing it on Sunday. Okay, so I'll be sure when you join me Friday to recap whatever the Bengals do tomorrow night, I'll be sure to spoil it. You're not going to see it. You've got to, you have too much going on Thursday night. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's dive into Thursday night because there's a ton. By the way, if you're in the Cincinnati area, join me in Northern Kentucky, Dickman's, I'll be there around 8 o'clock, 8.30 at the latest, till midnight, talking all things draft. Hopefully, we'll draft uh, the Bengals' first-round draft pick, uh, or draft. We'll interview the Bengals' first-round draft pick. I've been saying draft so much, Joe. Let's uh, let's dive into it. And Obviously, it's no secret uh, Dave Lapham is the, the guy when it comes to predicting who the Bengals draft. We had him on early, uh, earlier this week, podcast-wise. I was surprised throughout this process how high he was, the Bengals were, on Billy Price. And I want to get to him in a second, but he projects, he predicts that the Bengals go with Frank Ragnow, the Arkansas center. We've talked about him a lot. What are your thoughts on, on Frank? Yeah, we have talked about him a lot. I think on air and off air, too. You know, you and I have uh, discussed him uh, for about a month. And I really, really, really Frank, like Frank Ragnow. Um, not only is he productive, uh, and even if you look at just like pro football focus, they've got, you know, that's a nice wrap up for an offensive lineman to, cause you're not really going to get stats, but, uh, they're high on him. He, they say he, he's right up there with Quentin Nelson in terms of production on the offensive line. Uh, the tape is great. Uh, he, he, he's athletic. He's long. 
he's the best second-level blocker in the draft, and one of the best I've ever seen. And what I mean is he, he gets on these linebackers off of combo blocks and he releases to the second level, gets on these linebackers, and he eliminates middle linebackers from the game. Um, and you can put on, like, Ole Miss from 2016, I think it is, and he maybe hits 15, 18, 20 of them in a game. I don't think the Bengals get that in the last four years with Russell Bodine. So uh, I would love the pick. I, I think major need, good player. The value meets the need at 21. Elite centers, elite center prospects get drafted late first round. They don't go higher than that. That's what it is. After after pick 20 is where they get picked. And uh, so the Bengals could start the run. I think there's three really good centers in this class. And if they go with Ragnow at 21, I think it is an A-plus start for this draft. I'm with you. And here's the thing, because I, I think it's Mike McGlinchey is their board, and, and you have your board. I don't want to give it away. I'm probably going to name – well, I know I'm going to name some of the players on it, but you should check it out. You did all all the picks, right, for the Athletic, every 250-something players? I did 165. 165, okay. I, I knew it was a lot. I, yeah, and I did it because if you look at a team's board, they don't have like 270 guys on board, even though that's how many will be drafted. Um, teams will often and, – and I've heard like the Patriots will have – 80 guys on a board, and that's it. Just guys you think are going to be good. And, then, and, and guys you talk to, players you feel good about. For me, I, I based it on interest the Bengals have expressed in players. And I started there, whether it was workouts, pre-draft visits, top 30 visits, uh, showing up at their pro day in a, in a big way. Um, I started the list with that and then added some guys that I had rumors with and hints from and ordered them the way I think they should be ordered and how I think the Bengals would look at it also. So it was a mix of all that, and it's all seven rounds. Yeah, so check that out. Really good stuff from Joe. And that's there's a lot there. And, and I know here's the narrative, because I think there's a chance Ragno goes top 20. I think he goes before the Bengals pick. I think a guy like Mike McGlinchey could go before the Bengals pick. Both guys... I think that they would take at 21. Derwin James, a guy that's been mentioned, could fall. I would love it. I don't think he's going to be there at 21. Who knows? This is a really weird draft. So with that said, I think the Bengals, even though some of us would say, oh, trade up, try to get McGlinchey, or trade up and try to get Ragnow. Instead of that, I think they'd be willing to stand pat, get Billy Price. Dave Lapham thinks they're really high on Billy Price. Paul Daner Jr. of the Enquirer mocked them Billy Price. I had Jim Osarski on the podcast yesterday, and he thinks uh, he, he thought Billy Price was number one on their list at, at one point. So they're high on Price. You're not as high on Price. You're not the only draft analyst I've talked to that isn't as high on Billy Price. Give our listeners an idea. Refresh them on your thoughts on Price, and if that is the pick tomorrow, what your reaction will be. Um. And like those guys that have good information that the team likes Price, I also believe that the team likes Price. No doubt. And, um, you know, so you, you get caught between, well, I trust the team to make a pick because they are the team. At the same time, you trust yourself and what you see. And like I said before on Ragnow, and I believe this with Daniels, the elite center prospects go in that 20 to 32 range. I think the really good center prospects, and this is Billy Price, I do think he is really good. Uh, they go usually in that second round range, and and I think that's where Billy Price should go. Uh, why isn't he like those two? You may ask. It's athleticism and length, really. It's and which can constitute upside because 
with the length and athleticism you get with Daniels and Ragnall, you can run anything. The zone stuff where you need athletes and length, really. Um, pass protection, it helps to have both of that, obviously. That's not really Price's game, and that's okay. He's a different type of player. If you were running a man gap power scheme on the offensive line and the Bengals aren't going to unless they're going to do completely something different than what Laser and Frank Pollock have done in the past. Um, they're going to run a zone scheme. If you're going to run a man gap power scheme, you want Billy Price, I think. And you want him because his lower half is extremely strong. He's a strong, powerful dude, um, wrestler type guy that wants to get in, get in tight, bring these defensive tackles in and just beat them in the submission. All good stuff, right? There's times where he can't reach that guy, or there's times where he can't climb to the second level and get to that linebacker. There's times where, in pass protection, uh, he doesn't move as well laterally, and a quicker pass rusher or a longer pass rusher will give him issues and troubles. Um, I think he's the worst pass protector of the top three. Uh, I think the type of player he is, even though he's on the good scale of a power center, he's on the scale with how Russell Bodine was. And I'm not saying Russell Bodine. What I'm saying is you're going to have same strengths and weaknesses in terms of a tough guy, leader, calling plays, smart guy, durable, reliable, even though he's injured right now, power, strong hands, strong lower body, but it's going to struggle in the ways that really affect the team in a, in a positive way. He's not going to hurt the team, Billy Price. He's going to limit them from things they could potentially do. And for me, at pick 21, if it's Billy Price, I would see it as a wasted opportunity to not only get better, and they would get better drastically by replacing Bodine with Billy Price. It'd be in terms of getting better and more dynamic offensively as a whole, as a unit. Um, so that's how I'd feel. I, I do think he's going to be a good starting center, maybe for 10 years in this league. He may even be a really good starting guard. Um, and that's a dilemma I think some teams have also. Maybe you take Price and maybe Mason Cole or somebody's still there in the third round and they still take him and figure it out later. I think that could happen. Uh, but I understand why they would like him. I just think 21 is uh, ruining a chance when you used to have the 12th pick. I guess I kind of still hold that, that I want to get an elite prospect or someone as close to that as possible. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. He's Joe Goodberry on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. This is our final podcast before the first round of the NFL Draft. And Joe, yeah, it's to, to me, it would be safe. It would be a guy, certainly, that they vetted out. It's a, a player had an injury. Uh, I saw a doctor's note uh, today. Adam Schefter tweeted it out. It seems like he's going to be all set for training camp. Out of the three. Daniels, Price, Ragno. And it sounds like it's between Price and Ragno if both are there for the Bengals. Who's the most NFL ready? Because I'll be honest, and, and I think a lot of fans feel this way, they want a guy who can contribute now. Uh, Lamar Jackson's been in the news a lot here in Cincinnati, and it's, oh, should they take him? Should they not take him? And a lot of people that say no, they say no because they want the first-round pick to contribute now, help the team now, and get back to the playoffs out of those three guys, is it is it still 
the way you rank them, Ragno, Daniels, and then Price, or is it a different order as far as NFL ready help you in 2018? All three are coming from big programs with good offensive line coaches that have produced good offensive linemen in the NFL. Um, there's nothing that you're going to have to really retool with these guys uh, from an offensive line standpoint. I think that's big, and that's something the Bengals want. They're All three are plug-and-play starters, day one. Uh, James Daniels may be 20 years old, but he started more games at center than any of them. And then, then right now, he started, James Daniels, I want to say 25 games at center, maybe 23. Um, Price is 14. Right now, it's 18 games at center. So he's got almost double experience on Price. I'm speaking of Daniels. If, if you want a starting center. Now, Price has played 55 games total, where that's obviously more than the other guys, and he's shown to be durable and healthy, although he is injured now. Uh, so I could see them using that as an example of, of quality, uh, and they, they use that a lot with guys like Russell Bodine, obviously, where he never missed the start. They truly valued that, um, and I, I think in terms of readiness, it's hard to say that one guy is better than the other. I think the most well-rounded who has played a good chunk of games for me, I still would rank it Frank Ragnow number one because he's played in an NFL system by a uh, highly respected O-line coach and offensive coach and, and, and at Arkansas, and that has produced a lot of guys, former Wisconsin offensive lineman, Kevin Zietler, coached by the same person, Travis Frederick, coached by the same person. If you, if you're like, this is an uh, NFL-producing offensive lineman machine. Frank Ragnow is ready to play right now. James Daniels, oh, Iowa offensive lineman, usually smaller guys, quicker guys. Daniels quicker, but he's not small. Um, they produce NFL offensive linemen. Ohio State, obviously, big school, produces NFL players all across their team. I think they're all ready to play right now. Joe, let's uh, – because to me, what are the odds? In my eyes, it's – it really, it's that order. There's four guys. I think they're going to take one of these four, and I, I pretty much guarantee one of them is going to be there. But it's Derwin James, probably not going to be there. Mike McGlinchey, probably not going to be there. And then it's Ragnell Price. It's going to be one of those four, right? Is there anyone else that you see that could squeak in? I know one of those guys is going to be available. I've just done the math multiple times, but can anyone else squeak in? I wonder where they have Vita Vea, and I don't think he'll squeak there. Um, I think the Redskins are high. I think the Chargers and the Cowboys are high in him. I don't think he gets there. So that's the same way I feel about Derwin. So I don't know if I, you know, so if they're going to list Derwin, I would, I would wonder where they have Vita. But having said that, no, I do agree. Based on more information, it doesn't sound like um, it will get to Daniels. It sounds like it would be Ragnow or Price. And uh, that's a little bit of a bummer today because I honestly believe in two years, Daniels could be the best center of this class. And, uh, you know, if the Bengals pick the first center and they pick Ragnow, I think that's a good move. I think if someone jumps ahead of them because they're so transparent and gets Ragnow ahead of them, um, it would be a bit disheartening that they go price at 21. Now, if they trade back and find a way to still get price or trade back and get Daniels later in the first, then I can see it, and I can see adding the extra value. Um, but, yeah, I say I would say those are the four options, and I expect at least one to be there because I do expect price to be there. I don't see a way anyone gets them, uh, takes them in front of the Bengals. Yeah, I agree. I think one's going to be there, and I don't know. I, I and how, Go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think that's probably why we see a lot of the beat writers mocking Price to the Bengals, um, because that's the only one I would say I would guarantee is going to be there. And if we know if they like him, then sure, mock him Billy Price. Yeah, it's fair, and it's I think it's realistic. It's probably the most likely 
of the the three because I could see Ragnar going early. Obviously, McGlinchey early. Poten- potentially, I'm hearing. I was listening to Peter King's podcast today. He had McGlinchey's ceiling. I think Albert Breer was on, and he said this. He said as high as nine. And yeah, I was on with Mo Egger. I said nine to the to the uh, Dolphins. Yeah, and it to me, I don't know, man. I because I would have been bummed if they didn't have Cordy Glenn, and they just picked McGlinchey at twelve. I would have been bummed with that. Like I would have been like, ah, oh, really. We're just taking a tackle because that's the need, and we don't know if he can seriously play left tackle. The reason I like McGlinchey is because he could come in, play right tackle, you have your left tackle, and you totally revamp your line. McGlinchey can be part of the solution, not the solution. That's why I love the idea of him at 21. Not a fan of him that early. I I wouldn't like the pick for really most of those teams. Top 10, there's a lot of good players. Raquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds, one of those guys is going to be there at 9. The weirdest thing in this draft is that the centers and guards are a great group. I honestly think you're going to get starting center and starting guards in the third, maybe even fourth round this year. Uh, I think it's it's a very, very good group and deep group. And because of it, you hear reports and rumors, and honestly looking at Mox and the feelings you get, is that teams are going to wait a little bit on centers and guards. Maybe not centers, as we see that everyone's at once we thought they'd all be there at 46. Now we don't know if any of them will be there. But – the guards definitely could drop. I could see Will Hernandez in the second round. I could see Isaiah win. I think, uh, what mark was it today? Tony Pauline had him going 45, one pick before the Bengals. Um, that would be a bummer. I would want to trade up for Isaiah win at that spot. But if the guards are dropping because it's such a good class, yet the tackles are all getting pushed up. McGlinchey is a fair prospect. He's good. He should go in a normal draft between 12 and 25, and I think that's perfectly fine for him. Uh, I think if you're a team that's at seven, eight, nine, ten, and you're thinking of taking them, um, it's because you don't think there's another starting tackle in this class. Even if it's Colton Miller, he's got the athleticism on the upside. He's going to need work before you're ready to start him on, on week one. And even Colton Miller now is getting pushed up. They're saying top 20, top 25. That's rich. Uh, it's odd that these guys are getting pushed up. I don't want the Bengals to be in a situation at 46 where they feel they need to find a starting tackle and they're reaching for a third-round prospect like a Brian O'Neill from Pitt or a Martinez Rankin from, from Mississippi or uh, it, I don't think Colton Miller is going to be there, but you know he should be in that range. And that's where I feel more comfortable taking a Miller. But I don't want that situation to arise. Could you imagine a Billy Price and then a – for me, I have like O'Neill and Rankin as a third-round guy, and they go that at 46. I think that would be <laughs> reaching for your needs very hard. And that, those are the drafts that have gotten them in trouble in past years. You're right, it, it, and that's and they stand out like a sore thumb, like in hindsight looking back. And I could see that. I could see price. I could see some safety. I, I would love the idea. I remember you you mocked Justin Reed from Stanford. What, what do you think about him at 46 if he's there? Are there any other safeties you consider at 46? Because I think if they get their center, no matter who it is, at 21, the most likely scenario is they go defense, whether it's safety, defensive yeah. tackle, maybe even a linebacker. Yeah, I gave them a defensive end in mind. Uh, I saw you gave them a safety in the third round, and that's who I originally was going to mock at 46. But when I saw you did it, James, I said, ah, oh, you know what, that's all right. I, I know they like another guy. I'll give them that. And uh, so I switched it up. But I think Eric Reed, the Steelers like him, and they could take him in the first round. It's not, I think his range may be in that 35 to 50. Justin area. Reed, Justin and, Reed. Yes, did I say Eric? Yeah, you did. It's okay, though. There's a lot of Reeds. That's understandable, right? To yeah. the brother. All right, so Justin Reed, Steelers like him, could take him in the first round. I think his range is in that area where the Bengals pick. 
I would like it if he was if he was if he was the pick. I think he for me I rank him over Billy Price in terms of if I had a board that just ranked the prospects evenly regardless of position, I would have Justin Reed as a first rounder. And um I think what he could offer would be fantastic for that secondary. It would allow you to fix linebacker a little bit if you're gonna bring Sean Williams down and play some linebacker. If Dark West Bernard leaves in a year, Justin Reed can slide in and cover the slot too. Uh I would really like him. I also think they brought in Rodney Harrison from Alabama, and I'm saying Rodney Harrison, not Rodney, yeah. the Hall of Famer. Right? <laughs> and um, and that's a key sign for their first and second round targets usually are the visits. And Rodney Harrison, I think, played a lot of free safety for Alabama, even though he's got some strong safety size, about 215. Uh, he didn't run. I don't want to. I want to say he didn't run at his pro day, so he never got speed. And I think that's why he he's not considered a first rounder. Um. And what was I going to say? Oh, and it, say you're taking a free safety type, and again, it would allow you to move someone else, and maybe it's a Sean Williams down. But I also do think a defensive tackle, a linebacker, there's a huge gap. I don't think linebacker is ever going to fall to 46 that I say is the best player available because there's a big gap between Rashawn Evans, if he's your fourth guy, to maybe Malik Jackson, or Malik Jefferson, I'm sorry, uh, in the third round, maybe late second. So I don't think there's a chance that linebacker is a pick at, at 46. Uh, but I do see defensive end, defensive tackle, or safety. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. And, and Harrison, here's the thing. I keep hearing about how deep safety is, right? Is safety's pretty deep, I would say. There are, there's probably 10 safeties. Oh, it's very deep, yeah. Yeah, so if guards are going to fall because it's deep, if some of these different position groups are going to fall because it's deep, why would I – not assume. I think one of those guys, whether it's Reed maybe falling to 46, and I know it seems kind of crazy, or Harrison falling to 77, or another guy that they're really high on falling to pick 100, I could see... Jesse Bates, Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen that. Yeah, so I think that's the sweet spot where the value will match someone falling, the talent, and what they're looking for at a safety. I gave him a safety in in the third round, pick 100. Um, Dane Crookshank from Arizona. He's a guy who played a lot of corner, uh, tested fantastically, like 90th percentile type uh, testing. Um, they gave him some attention at his pro day. Uh, I think that could be, again, I think Dane Crookshank's a top 75 type prospect. And, yeah, it might push these safeties down a little bit where you're getting value. So the longer they can wait on that, I think, would produce the most value. There's a lot of guys, I think, in the third, fourth, fifth round, whether that's Armani um, Watts, uh, Deshaun Elliott, uh, Traveris Moore, who's a small school guy. There's a lot of guys in, in that could end up being starters from those mid-rounds at safety. So I, I think the Bengals could afford to wait if they choose. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, is there a guy, a player that you love mid-rounds, no one's heard of. We haven't done this in a while. We've been so wrapped up in Lamar and what they're going to do at 21. If Joe Goodberry gets control of the draft room, let's say late day two, early day three, and you can go after a a prospect or multiple prospects with one of those fifth-round picks or multiple fifth-round picks or even as high as pick uh, 100 or pick 112, in that range – who are you going to to battle for to get on this Bengals team, knowing their needs, knowing what could fit with them, and knowing what you've seen on film from these players? There's a lot of guys, honestly. Uh, in the you know the hard part is without having a sixth round pick, 
I've kind of pushed guys up in that fourth, fifth round range that I would have interest in in the sixth round. And really, like, anyone – six and seven – because the draft is really, like, five rounds. Sixth and seventh is for, like, priority guys that you think may be free agents or undrafted that you want to take and not let hit the open market. So a lot of times you – the fourth round range is a weird thing because you've got a lot of guys that are dropping that you still like that are high on your board, and then you still are have an eye on the next that next grouping that – you think of as mid or late round guys that you don't want to miss out on if they do do go undrafted. So for me, um, there's a lot of receivers. I love the middle middle round range. One guy I really like, and I don't. You said for someone that I don't know if anyone's heard of. I think he's more of a fifth rounder. Maybe he ends up going in the in then goes on to six. Maybe he's still there in the seventh. Richie James from Middle Tennessee. Uh, he's five eight, one eighty, quick, lightning fast. Caught two hundred passes his first two years at Middle Tennessee. Uh, they use him to run the ball a lot. It looks like Andrew Hawkins to me. Uh, he's got some punt return ability. Sounds good to me already. Uh, yeah, it, they they could use a run after the catch guy, a guy you can throw some screens to, a guy that can help on special teams, especially the return game. Uh, I mocked him to them. I think that'd be a, a, a really fun pick. But closer up, maybe a Colby Gosset, who's a guard from Appalachian State. Now, if they don't address center, or even if they dress a center, but if they don't address guard early, I think fourth round range for Gosset, he's a good athlete, tall guy, um, he's got the length, he needs some development still, he still needs some technique work coming from Appalachian State, You're gonna, that's, that's normal, uh, to really maximize his power. I think he's a guy that could compete for the starting right guard job in 2019, and uh, I think that's where you end up getting value guys. I mocked to them in the fourth round, Toby Weathersby out of LSU. Um, he declared early as a junior, but he's played right tackle basically all three years, most of the three years. The Bengals need a right tackle. They usually like those power guys, so, and he's got some athleticism too. Uh, he's still developing, definitely. But that's a guy, again, I think if they take center at 21, they'll probably come back and draft a couple more offensive linemen. But I don't know if it's going to be guys that are going to start right away. Maybe they get an Orlando Brown in the third round, and he, they say, okay, we like you more than this, uh, we're going to start you. <laughs> but I think it's more likely they get developmental guards and tackles to compete for those spots. If it's not this year, it's next year. And I think that secures you for the future. And I like Toby Weathersby a lot. Um, one other guy that, that I think has upside, I'm not sure where he's going to go, though. I've seen him mocked as high as second round. I think his tape looks like sixth or seventh round. It's P.J. Hall from Sam Houston State. He measured and tested, and his production, based on statistics, insane. I mean, like 80 tackles for a loss type stuff over the last two years, two and a half years. Um, It tested measurably like Geno Atkins, where elite prospect type athletically. But the tape, he gets beat up a lot, and he, he gets pushed out of there. A lot of times he's not playing with any technique. I think it's North Dakota State game is terrible and it makes you wonder what he really is but there's some games he plays where he just is knifing through the backfield consistently and constantly and you wonder coming from sam houston state maybe he just needs to be coached up maybe he just needs an nfl program nfl coaching maybe you unlock that potential in him uh if he's not there if he doesn't go in the second round like i think people are getting over excited with him and he's a third fourth round pick the Bengals, i think need a backup three tech someone that can not only learn from atkins potentially replace him in a couple of years uh, or work with him in nickel, I think a P.J. Hall would be an interesting player. Yeah, there you go. I, I looked him up, and Lance, Lance Zerline said uh, his NFL comparison was Grady Jarrett. Do you agree with that? Grady Jarrett is my man. Um, I know. <laughs> I had a first-round grade on Grady Jarrett, and they took, 
They took Marcus Hardison that year, so you're giving me flashbacks of horror. I don't think he's that. He doesn't look like that now. Uh, if you want to say potential-wise, that's fine, but he's definitely not that now. And Grady Jarrett went in the fifth round. Yeah, and that that's it'll be interesting. And that's that's I think the Bengals are in position with all of these mid-round pick. I mean, three fifth-rounders and uh, to to get some good players. I, I do want to run a couple players by you real quick, and then I'll I'll let you go. By the way, I have in my mock draft here. At uh, lockedonbengals.com, I have the Bengals trading up, and here's the thing, Joe. They, as far as trading up goes, they're in position. I was just looking at the comp picks; they're going to have a bunch of sixth rounders next year. They're in line to have mm-hmm. like multiple. Why not use your sixth rounder, your fifth rounder, wh- whatever, to move up if you can in this draft? If you need to secure on the back end of of well, not round one, but at the, at the front of day two to get a Billy Price or to do that. Like they have the ammo to do it this year, they could also use picks next year because they got more coming compensatory wise. I think they're in position to trade up. I would be, and you've heard rumors before whether it was the Eric Reed year. I think that's when they took Carlos Dunlap. Um, a couple other years where they second round seemed like the time they got interested because they had a high first round grade on a couple guys that were still there. I think they're in position this year. And normally a second rounder, they traded back last year. What did they get from the Vikings? A fourth. I want to say. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that was the Mixon, and they took Cook. Uh, that like A trade like that, that makes sense. You and it was like, like seven spots. That, yeah, seven spots. Exactly, and that may get you Isaiah Wynn. That may get you Billy Price at the top of the second. It's a lot of guys that could still be there. We'll reset the board after day one. We'll talk Justin Reed? Right. I would for sure give up a fourth-rounder to go get that, especially with three fifth-round picks. Because if you want to move up again and secure a fourth-rounder, because look at who the Bengals got last year in the fourth. Those are valuable picks. But at the same time, you have these late picks. I don't think 11 rookies are making this team. If they do, that means they have a bad team. So you, you, you package some up, you go up, you get the guys that you think are first-round graded guys. All right. I'm going to run some players by you. And we'll, we'll talk Friday to kind of reset things like you said. We already talked about Justin Reed. I think – um, in round two on, just some names. Uh, give me a couple sentences on each. Hayden Hurst. I've heard the Bengals would be interested in the tight end from South Carolina if he falls to 46. Uh, you like that? Not like it? Uh, what do you think about Hurst? I hope he doesn't fall then to 46. Uh, <laughs> it's not that he's bad. This is a bad, tackle class. This is a bad tight end class. So we're moving guys up again. Bad classes, let's move guys up, right? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but that's what happens. Oh, God. Hayden Hurst has been mocked as high as, I want to say, Seattle uh, and um, Baltimore. Yeah, Carolina. I want him going top 20. Like, go yeah. top 20. Yes, absolutely. Yes, go top 20. He's 25 years old, doesn't really have a standout trait, but he's the most well-rounded guy of the of the top guys. I, I don't have interest. Arden Key. Jeez. Um and again, that's someone they've spent a lot of time with to, to get a to get a handle on. I think uh, he would be a late day two, maybe pick one hundred, maybe yeah, if he falls to him, pick one twelve. On the on the board I have for the athletic, he's my number one in third round for the Bengals, and I think that's that makes sense for them, uh, and probably where they would have him. I think as a target. Uh, again, he's a guy who was like two hundred thirty six pounds, two hundred sixty five pounds, ranged in between there. I don't know what he played at at times. He's gotten in trouble before. Uh, he's left the team, I want to say, in, in past years. He's a guy teams have to figure out who he is, what he is, and what's going on with him. Uh, because his upside flashes are there, and you say he may have been a top 50, 45 pick, maybe even a first-rounder on the high point. 
the LSU defensive ends um, are coached weird and they play run first, basically. That's a guy, how a guy like Daniel Hunter has had so much success in the NFL and people slept on him, me included, in the draft process, is because they don't often put up a lot of production, but they could be much better players than the pros. Uh, key, I guess, for me, um, I don't have interest unless it's in the third round. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, and I think that that's a guy. And then one more, and I don't think he'll, he will even be on the Bengals' board, potentially because of, of yesterday and what happened. He tested positive for yeah. marijuana. But but I thought maybe Callaway from Florida, the little speedy wide receiver, I thought maybe with one of those fifth-round picks, it, it, it just screamed Bengals. Uh, it, it doesn't now to me because they pass on guys that aren't going to – uh, if you're failing drug tests at the combine, I, I don't know. May, maybe I'm wrong with this, but the Bengals haven't drafted a lot of those guys. I know a couple years ago, Dallas ended up with the pass rusher, the defensive end. I forget his name. Randy Gregory. Gregory, yeah. And, and the Bengals didn't even consider him because of that, nope. because they thought he was a weed head. Uh, your thoughts? Is it Antonio Callaway? Your thoughts on him? It is Antonio Callaway. And um, I thought they had interest also. I would say. Every team is still going to have some interest because he may have been the best receiver in this draft, and he may uh, or could have been had he continued to develop, uh, I think, at least a top 40 pick in the draft. He could end up like Tariq Hill being a seventh-round pick, and he has a fantastic rookie year, fantastic career if he gets his life together. Um, His rap sheet's very long. I don't think he gets drafted at all. I think someone's going to sign him and say, you know, Hope for the best. We know you're talented. Let's see what happens. And, you know, if guys, it's not a drug test at the combine. You know what it is? It's an intelligence test. It's a self-control test, and he failed it, and that's not what you want. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think here's the thing, though. If I'm the Bengals and you're interested in him as an undrafted free agent and you think he is that talented like you just said, use if he's there in the seventh round, use the seventh round pick. That's why you have three of them. And yep. if like the the top undrafted guys they've had, and Dave Lapham said this, I'm I'm paraphrasing his his words, but I believe it. Why compete and try to compete with contracts and signing bonuses when you can just draft them? That's that's very true for the Bengals too. They don't want to compete for signing bad guys at all. <laughs> as we see as we see in free agency, I still have Cavalier on my Bengals board as a late round target, and that's for that reason. He's Joe Goodberry. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. So much uh, that he's done for the athletics. So check that out. Subscribe. Right now, I was looking today at 30% off right now if you do it, subscribing today. 40. 40%. See, you got to do it. It's a deal. Check One it out. One cup of coffee a month. Three bucks. And that's the thing. And you get to read about superheroes. We didn't even get to get into that. Maybe we'll do that after the draft. People don't want to hear okay. They want to hear about it now, but they're also like worried – you know, the Bengals are going to go and, and pick. I, I don't know. What would be, last thing, what would be the the pick that made everybody angry the most? Would it be Lamar Jackson in round one? No, I did a poll, and I think 2,500 people voted on it, and Lamar Jackson won 60 to 40. Um, I don't think people would be mad. I think there would be people mad. I don't think the majority would be mad at that. I think it would be something um, – just completely unexpected, right? They take a guy that, who, or the second rounder, Orlando Brown in the first round, are you kidding me? I think that would do it. He's Joe Goodberry. Check him out. Yeah, Orlando Brown. That would make you mad in round three. <laughs> it would. The history, we will talk about analytics probably after this draft as we learn about, because there's going to be people they draft that we don't know who they are, even, even me, and we'll watch them and we'll get into the analytics of it. 
But when you test as poorly as you do, it puts you in a category that basically nobody succeeds from. But a guy like Colton Miller, if you look at the guys who test like Colton Miller, half of them become very, very good players. It's like a very good hit rate. That's why Colton Miller goes first round, and his tape is worse than Orlando Brown. You know why? Because now his history is on his side. You're betting against Orlando Brown ever becoming even a starter, even if you're taking him in the sixth or seventh round. He's Joe Goodberry. I will uh, talk to you Friday, man. Enjoy the draft. I'm sure I'll text you between now and then. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on, and I know all of our uh, listeners appreciate it. Thanks for having me, James. That's Joe Goodberry. Good stuff from Joe, and man, it's almost here. Look, I'll be at Dickman's in northern Kentucky. It's not far from downtown Cincinnati. If you're in the area, join us. Look, it's a holiday. You listen to this podcast, why do you listen? Because you're into the Bengals, you love the Bengals, or you you want the Bengals to be better than they are, than they have been. Well, the draft is the magic elixir, the hope. Imagine if they get Mike McGlinchey. Imagine if they get a center that transforms that offense, and I think a really high-end center could do so. Think about it. An athletic center getting out on the edge, screen pass to Joe Mixon, that center pulling, Boom! You guys didn't think I could get excited about offensive line play. I can. I can because it will mean unleashing some of the uh, young guys in this offense, some of the skill players that we talk about so much, that we've talked about so much on this podcast. I'm James Rapine. My mock draft 5.0, the final edition, is up at LockedOnBengals.com. I wanted to take a second and uh, thank each and every one of you during this draft process. Thank you for checking out the links at LockedOnBengals.com. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for tweeting me. Thank you for emailing all of it. Thank you for sharing it with your friends and letting them, let them know about us. Everything, we do this, and, and it's had a lot of success, and Joe comes on weekly, and I know he's appreciative of the athletic launch, and, and when he joined the athletic, when draft season, this offseason started, I know he's having success there as well, so uh, I'll speak for him. Uh, I'll speak for myself for sure. Thank you so much for supporting. I hope to see you at Dickman's tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited for the draft. We will be back at it with reaction on Friday, and uh, that's going to do it. This is it, the final pre-first round Locked on Bengals podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it delivered. By the way, if you're looking for prospect spotlights, my guy Solomon Tentman, on all the guys. By the way, Ragno, he's not as high on Ragno as Joe. He also evaluated Billy Price and James Daniels. All the linemen. Check it out. LockedOnBengals.com. Until next time. Until Friday. I'm James Rapine. Enjoy the draft. I hope to see you tomorrow. This has been the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.